Hey hotties! Welcome to the Spiritual Baddies Club podcast. My name is Alex. I'll be your host and healer for today's episode and welcome. We've made it to episode two. So fun fact, I record all of these episodes while my husband's at work. He's a firefighter and I find it so much easier because I get to yell and scream and speak all my feelings out into the universe and not have to worry about somebody else being in the house. I get to do my whole ritual. I feel like before the podcast, I have a mini dance party, a snack. I grab water. I like snuggle my pups. I get really grounded in what I want to talk about. I meditate for a bit. And so having the freedom and space to just dive into my own rituals before I share feels really good and really grounded. So today's his first day at work, which means I get to do this. I was so excited literally all week long. Welcome. I will start with my mental health moment. Here's my check-in. I'm okay. (laughs) I'm okay. I think I actually just posted a reel about this. I think Megan the Stallion, when she said bad bitches have bad days too, she really was speaking to my soul. Again, I know we talked about this last week on the pod, but I need to reiterate again, healing isn't about being happy or sad or living consistently in a state of exponential joy or like avoiding deep, dark anger or bad things. Like that's not spirituality. That's not mindfulness. That's also just not the human experience at all. Really what having a practice around your spirituality or having a practice around your wellness, your mindfulness does is it gives you more consistent fulfillment. I don't wake up every day not in my purpose. Every day I wake up and I understand my purpose. And I it's not about knowing my titles or knowing who I am to people. It's about knowing who I am to myself and what my purpose here in this lifetime is. And I can't say I know the like, grand scheme of it all no one knows but for right now I am super embodied and what my purpose is and what I'm here to do and how I'm I'm here to serve and so that's what my practices have done for me that's what my regulation is that's what I find in meditating every day and being committed to my journaling every day but that doesn't mean I'm happy every day and so this week I've just simply been okay I'm proud of that though I think different versions of myself would have really either been shameful about the anxiety that I've been experiencing this week and really gotten hard on myself and tried to ignore that it was there or tried to change my mindset by doing really toxic things like distracting myself in the wrong ways or trying to convince myself that I wasn't feeling these feelings. I'm really proud of my ability to just regulate, to understand when I wake up in the morning and I feel the anxiety come on. I'm like, oh, better make sure I give myself the extra 20 minutes to sit with myself in a deep meditation or to do Reiki on myself or to just lay on the ground and do some sound bowl healing or to reach out to my friends and my family and let them know like, hey, I'm unwell. And I think that it's not even about them having the answers for me, but just being seen. Recently, I reached out to somebody to kind of have that conversation and I didn't necessarily feel seen in the reaction. And it was such a mirror to me to say like, it's important that when you reach out to your girls, to your family, to your friends, and you let them know where you are, it's not about them telling you how to make it better or how to 
get over it, but just to know that you're not alone. Because again, we are just here having these human experiences and we're all feeling the same range of emotions. They're just coming to us differently. They're coming to us in different experiences. So I'm okay. I'm navigating a lot of anxiety. And with that, I'm really proud of the way I'm handling it. Old me would have just kind of crumbled and been paralyzed by the anxiety. Old me wouldn't have been able to get out of bed. Old me would have let the insomnia get the best of her. New me is not doom scrolling on TikTok whenever I have really bad insomnia. Um, New me is nourishing my body still with all of the right things, making sure that when I even use substances like alcohol. I'm more of a drinker. I don't really smoke weed or do anything like that, which no knocks anybody who does. It's just not the thing that makes me feel really grounded. I prefer whenever I want to have a fun time, which not that you need alcohol to have a fun time, but whenever I want to explore a substance or feel a little, little loopy, I choose alcohol. I actually found it really ancestral to create cocktails and I I make it a whole thing. I grew up in a household where drinking alcohol like wasn't this like you drink to get drunk thing. It was actually really fun and a way to just have a fun drink and be with your family. And so on days where my anxiety is really high recently, I've been really cognizant of drinking and instead taking that ancestral feeling of creating and turning it into mocktails. And so I think that it's really important that we normalize that for each other, that if you do wake up and you're just not feeling your best, you can just say that and that be okay. I think that's what I really wanted this community to also understand. Like, yes, I'm here to support you when you are living your best life and you're moving towards all the incredible things that you're doing and you're upgrading your frequencies and you're up-leveling your life. I am so here for that and I want to give you language and context for that. But I also want to give you the language, context, and normalization for the days that don't feel so great, for the days that are just okay, for the days that are less than okay. All of those experiences are really what's building you up to becoming the woman of your deepest desires. You need the lows just as much as the highs. And it's really important for your own experience and especially your own spiritual experience that you find gratitude in both days. You can't just love your life when it's like thriving and then shit on your life when it's not okay. You have to be able to find that regulation and balance of both. Even on the not okay days, you still can be grateful. You still can recognize the silver linings. You still can get really grounded in the fact that you're accepting that it's a not okay day. And then on the days that are incredible and mind blowing, and you can't believe that's your life, you also can practice that gratitude of like withering and making it through those really tough days. Something else that I'm being really cognizant of right now is trying to avoid seasonal depression. I have never been necessarily like diagnosed with it or it's never been something that like I saw a doctor and they were like, yeah, girl, you got seasonal depression. But like the moment I need a sweater, I'm infinitely less happy. We went through a rain spell here in Philadelphia where it rained for like four days straight and I just felt my mental health like slowly declining because I couldn't go outside and just like let the sun hit my skin. So in order to avoid seasonal depression this year, I'm trying my best to make dates, appointments, experiences for myself that are going to pull me out of the house in advance. I'm the girl that will make the appointment or will make the date with somebody and be like, oh my God, so excited to see you. And then like day of be like, ah, I wish I could just stay in the house with a blanket over my head and binge watch TV. But the moment I am actually outside 
and I'm doing the thing that I planned. I feel so much better the moment I get to put on a cute new outfit, do my makeup, um, or whatever little makeup I do do. I just feel better. I feel so much more embodied and I know it's better for me. I always like to say I'm an extroverted introvert where I will talk to anybody. I will open myself up. I'm the first person to get vulnerable, to let someone in, to start conversations. I love being that person. I swear I'm like the mayor of my block. I know everyone's business. I know what, and maybe that's also the Gemini in me, but I love to spark conversation. And at the same time, the moment that my social battery has hit capacity or the moment that I feel like I've expended all my energy, I need to recluse. I need to get in the bed and I need to be there for at least a minimum 14 hours. Like, don't talk to me. Don't look at me. Don't call me. Like, I just need to recluse in the bed. And so I think that as I've gotten older, I really leaned into my introvert. I really leaned into the ability to just be in the bed. And while I'm all about being in the bed, I love being in the bed. It is the greatest place, the safest place in the world. I think it's important that we're in the bed and not depressed. We're in the bed and embodied. We're not in the bed and being depressed. So that's what I'm working on right now is as I'm looking for the holidays to get closer, as I'm looking to October, November, December, and onward, just trying to put myself in experiences and plan dates ahead of time that keep me out of the house, that keep my mental health above water and allow me to stay a little bit more in that extrovert and save myself the seasonal depression. Also, I don't know like what side of Instagram or TikTok you're on. I'm seeing it definitely more on Instagram than I am on TikTok right now. I'm not here for the whole, like, we got three months left of the year. Make it the best three months ever. I saw someone post the other day, of like, we have 100 days left to New Year's. What are you going to do with that time? First of all, the only countdown I care about is the countdown to Christmas. Like, if you are counting down to the end of the year because of, like, how much can you get done in 2023 and you're not counting down to Christmas, you're, you're doing the wrong thing. And I don't care what you celebrate. Like, it's not even just about it's all about the fact that typically around that time, no matter what you celebrate or like whatever religion you practice, no one works. We all get to eat really, really yummy foods. If you practice certain religions or traditions that you get presents, you get presents. And then you have a couple weeks to recluse in your house and live your best life with your family, your friends, or just yourself. And then you go back to work feeling a little bit fresher and like you actually slept a full night one of those days or one of those days you spent watching Christmas movies and getting all cozy with some hot chocolate or if you're me champagne like I will literally spend December 27th in my pajamas all day long with a blanket over my head and two bottles of champagne and I watch Christmas movies and I'm happy so if you are looking at any other countdown I don't know what you're doing Time is a construct of our our imagination. I don't know who's looking at timing and being like, what are we going to do with these last hundred days? No, that's bullshit. What we're going to do with these next hundred days is we're going to take it day by day. We're going to make decisions based on what's best for ourselves and our highest selves. And we're going to just take the opportunities as they come. We're going to receive the blessings as they come. We're going to stay in the present. It's not about understanding how we're going to overwork and overthink ourselves and then shame ourselves for not doing enough. What, we're, what we are going to do, what we are going to actively be a part of is 
looking at the blessing we have right now, the presence that we have right now, and taking that day by day. I don't really want to hear how much time we have left in the rest of the year and like make it count. That's just like shaming yourself for not hustling a certain way or shaming yourself for not have done whatever you thought you were supposed to do by this time in the year. Time is a construct of our own imagination. Somebody created time one day and good for them. All I know is that I'm going to every day check in with myself, check in with my goals, check in with the people around me, understand who is the woman I'm becoming and what are the micro movements, what are the little shifts I can do every day to get there. And if you just do a little bit every day, like, honey, you'll get there. Who are you to say that you need to get there before December 31st? I don't know, but I'm telling you and I'm giving you the permission slip to drop the BS that says that every hundred days you should have accomplished certain goals or certain dreams of yours. They will come to you and you will receive them at the exact moment you need to. All you need to do is be a little bit better every day. All you need to do is be compassionate with yourself, graceful with yourself, trust that you're exactly where you need to be on your path. I was just talking to my best friend about this. Your job as a human is to surrender, like surrender, let it go. You can't manipulate what's happening in your life. You can't manipulate other people's actions, right? So you surrender to the process. You trust your timeline. You trust you're exactly where you need to be. And you accept, you accept that this is where you are and you live with peace that way. Sorry, that was my like, thank you for coming to my TED talk. That was my mini rant about that. If you're one of the girlies that are sitting here like, only 100 days left till the end of the year. What are we going to do? Girly pop, look in the mirror. Look in the mirror. Take five deep breaths and tell yourself you're doing enough. You've done enough. You are enough. And it's time to breathe. <laughs> it's time to receive. It's time to accept. You do not need to work yourself to the ground to get to where you want to go. I promise. I guess I'm just in this era of my life where I just want to keep quiet, keep my head down and learn. And I'm really inspired by it because I'm a very outspoken person and I love that about myself. I love that I can speak my mind really fr freely. I have a very clear throat chakra. I articulate how I feel whenever I feel called to share. For some people, it might be too much, but for me, I think it's excellent. I think it's a part of who I am. I call it my childhood lines. We all have, and we'll talk about this in a later episode, we all have things from our childhood that we were born with that we embodied and accepted, and they've been a strong piece of who we are throughout our entire lives, and they always will be. One of my childhood lines is my ability to speak, my ability to speak my mind, to connect with people through speaking, thus this podcast. And so I'm in the era of my life where I just want to keep my head down and work. I'm really cool and comfortable with working the days I work and even on my off days, like staying quiet, reading the books that actually make me a better healer, better human, better practitioner, taking courses. I will be joining a past life regression course in October. And then hopefully, God willingly, I'll be doing a Reiki course, a Reiki one and two mastery attunement course in October, November. And that's really the things that have been inspiring me. That's really what I want to talk about. I want to talk about what I'm learning in these spiritual contexts and in these places. I want to share with others. I want to hear their experiences. I want to hear their opinions and their perspectives. I'm not really with talking just to talk. I'm not really with the surface level stuff. I'm not really with doom scrolling on Instagram right now. I think that was like my summer. And right now I'm just in a stage of my life where I want to 
mindfully work. And and that's so weird because I literally just finished going on a rant about how we shouldn't be shaving ourselves that there's 100 days left of the year. But I, this this speaks to different motivation. I'm not motivated about the quote unquote time I have left. What I'm motivated by is what I'm learning and what I want to share and how what I'm learning and what I'm sharing actually change people's lives and heal people. And I think it's really fucking cool, for lack of a better word. I think it's really, really cool what I get to do. And I'm in this era right now. I feel like the beginning of my business was about learning the language of what it meant to run a business, how to be successful running an online business, and how to share from that space. Right now, the era of my life I'm in, I know that stuff. I've embodied that stuff, and I'm working. I already have that stuff in place. This new level of attunement that I'm in, this new frequency that I'm in is now so much more about the healing, so much more about the ripple effect that I have with people when I get to share the work. And it's not even just about what I share in my one-on-one coaching clients. It's not even just what I share just like on Instagram as lessons or experiences or how to navigate the work. It's really about what I'm learning, how I'm processing it, and then what I feel called to share to the collective because of it. And I'm really proud of that. So it's a part of my mental health check-in moment where it's, yeah, I'm okay. Like I'm okay. I have a lot of anxiety right now. I'm really proud of the way I'm processing it. And I'm really inspired about what I'm learning. And I am really excited about my ability to share it with you all. Ooh, okay. Today I want to talk about something that I've struggled with for majority of my life. And it's not something that I talk about really often with people. And it's so interesting that I was called to share this on the second episode of this podcast. But I think if we're going to talk about being baddies, we want to talk about being healed hotties, we have to talk about the way we view ourselves physically, energetically, and emotionally. And a lot of my work online and with my clients, I tend to talk about the emotional stuff, the energetic stuff. We talk about the inner dialogue, the subconscious reprogramming. We talk about the inner work, but we don't talk about the outside stuff. And so today I want to talk about that because we can't be these baddies. We can't be healed hotties if we are afraid to show who we are physically, if we are afraid to be in our bigness, afraid to wear the things we want to wear, to just share from these deep places, to share from a space of authenticity. So I guess I can dive right in. I've struggled with body dysmorphia for a really good portion of my life. And I would accredit a lot of it to a combination of growing up as a professional dancer and just culturally. And not even just culturally as being a Dominican woman, but I just think that my age group, I'm 27 for those who don't know, I think we grew up in a time where we hit puberty right when social media started to pick up. And so we are seeing different pop stars. We're seeing music videos. We're now seeing other girls online practice perfection in a way that just isn't real. And I saw, I heard on a podcast the other day, she was like, I feel like I'm still sucking in my stomach and like holding my core the way that like I was told to whenever I was out in public. And she was alluding to the fact that like, I think that we all were just told we have to be the thinnest version of ourselves no matter where we go. 
I, and it came back in a trend recently. They called it quote unquote heroin chic and it's making a comeback, I guess. I don't know. I'm not really in with all the trends, but all of this to say I've struggled with body dysmorphia forever. For those of you who don't know what body dysmorphia is, body dysmorphia is a, I'm going to read directly from the internet and then I'm going to tell you my experience with it. So according to the internet and the dictionary, body dysmorphia is a mental illness involving obsessive focus on perceived flaw in appearance. This flaw may be minor or imagined but the person may spend hours, days trying to fix it. So to give it to you in real human terms, body dysmorphia is basically when you can look at a picture of yourself and hyper fixate on how fat you are or hyper fixate on how big your arms are, hyper fixate on how bad your skin is. When in reality, none of that is actually real. Like you're not actually fat. You actually have beautiful skin. Your arms are not too big. It's when you take the flaws that you look at and you blow them out of proportion because there's a piece of you and your brain that diving into that self-deprecation feels better and somehow more validating than just accepting that picture or accepting what you're looking at for exactly what it is. So for me, I mean, I think I had it tenfold. When it comes to dance, I mean, I you're trying to squeeze into these costumes. You are literally moving your body for the entertainment of others. And it's just really easy. You're, you have a mirror, you have mirrors all around this room staring back at you. And you're comparing yourself to the other girls in the room, not even in a bad way. You're in an environment, you are in a sport that calls for that. You need to look in the mirror. You need to look at your body. You're looking at the different ways your body moves. You're looking at the different ways other people's bodies move. And it's just so easy to compare yourself. And on top of that, you look at the standard of what it means to be a dancer. It means, and especially at the time, it meant you needed to be incredibly thin, incredibly small, and you needed to squeeze into the smallest, hottest outfit possible. I remember when I went to LA for the first time before I was even signed, one of the things that an agent who was just helping me out, giving me advice at the time, one of the number one things they had said was like, you need to drop 20 pounds. I was at the time 16 years old and the thinnest I'd ever been. And they were like, yeah, you need to drop some weight and tone up. And so what did I do? I went home. I, my senior year of high school, got a personal trainer. I was, I'm five, nine now. So I was a little bit shorter. I was five, eight. I weighed 118 pounds. Not okay. I also was exhausted all the time. I wasn't like I was eating and, but I wasn't eating anything of substance. I was eating protein shakes and salads And that's, I was the thinnest I ever was, but there was a part of me that felt validated in that experience because that was the lowest my quote unquote body dysmorphia ever was. I was thin and I enjoyed being that thin because of what it looked like, but I felt like shit all the time. So as I navigated my early twenties, I really struggled with that. I went into a world where I was never skinny enough. Or I, my favorite thing I ever heard in an audition was that I didn't look Spanish enough. I didn't look Latina enough. My curves weren't strong enough. My butt wasn't big enough. So then my body dysmorphia took a hard 180 and was like, no, I'm too thin. I don't look Spanish enough. I need to have the smallest waist, biggest butt. I need to have a more voluptuous body. I need to look a certain way just so that I can get these jobs and actually look like the woman I'm supposed to be. Poor little 19-year-old me didn't even realize I I wasn't even in my body yet. Like that wasn't, I, I grew until I was 20 years old.
Like I finally hit five, nine and a little above it. And my doctor finally looked at me and was like, girl, you did it. You're finally done growing. It's just, it's crazy. And on top of that, we're dealing with social media. This is the era of Kim Kardashian breaking the internet. We've watched the entire Kardashian family completely change their bodies based on the trends. I feel like every five years, there's a different version of Kim we're all aspiring to be, so to say. All of this together, I think as a collective, as women, we struggle with being able to accept and see our bodies. And I want to give even a shout out to the girlies who are super, super thin naturally and their body dysmorphia of not being enough, of not feeling like they have enough of a woman's body or not feeling like they're even toned enough. Like this is not one of those things where it's specific to someone who has an average size woman's body or who is a plus size woman or a thin size woman. Like the spectrum of body dysmorphia amongst humans is crazy. And it's just something that we are so susceptible to as society who is just so obsessed with what we look like, with being on social media. So that's really where my body dysmorphia started. And it just continued to progressively get more intense as it got deep, deeper and deeper and deeper into dance. I also think that I had to really put up boundaries around who I spoke about with my dieting habits. I come from a culture where it's it's normal to call people by what they look like. And in Spanish, you'll hear people say like, oh, flaca, like that means skinny. Like, oh, like that would be something I'd go to the hair salon and they would call me that. And that would be how they got me to understand it was my turn to get my hair washed. And I remember the first time I walked in at 21 years old and by no means was I big. I I just grew into my woman body. And that was the first time they looked at me and they commented on how I no longer was skinny. Like they called me gordita, which is like chunky. Like they were like, come here, chunky. Like that is not okay. That is not okay. And I understand that's a cultural thing. And that's not something that I can like stand up for and like change because they didn't think they were doing anything wrong. That generation of women didn't think they were doing anything wrong, but they were. And they deeply hurt me, but I didn't know how to stand up for myself at the time. So I just let their words actually affect my worth and how I viewed myself. And it really would stink. I was in a lot of different environments that really made me be very critical about my body. And I think the best I ever looked was when I finally started my wellness journey. I got into yoga. I stopped giving a fuck about the scale. I stopped caring. I literally just measured how I was doing based on how good I felt. I was finally sleeping through the night. I felt really good in my clothing. Like I I was wearing what I wanted to wear. I, and I didn't care what it looked like to others. I even stopped like trying to put certain filters or like pose on certain angles. I just was myself. And I think my ability to quiet my body dysmorphia came with how good I felt in my body. So as long as I was moving my body once a day, because it felt good to move, I was meditating. I wasn't stopping what I was wearing based on what I thought would look good on my body type. I just did whatever I needed to. And I really got protective about the conversations I had with people. I had hard boundaries in my life. I didn't talk about my weight with a lot of people. I didn't talk about my dieting with a lot of people. I didn't let other people tell me about their dieting. So if I had somebody come up and be like, oh my God, I hate my arms. I would just walk away from that conversation because there was no need for me to 
also condoned somebody else's experience in that. I, I felt like as long as I stayed out of that conversation for myself and for others, I was allowing myself to be out of the cycle of body dysmorphia, not only for myself, but for others. I feel like my explanation of body dysmorphia is a bit all over the place. I'm not going to lie, but I also think that there's little nuggets in all of this that we can all identify with. Here's where I am today with it. I've had to accept that I'm older. I'm 27 years old. I'm turning 28 and I'm not supposed to look the way I looked when I was 21. And I think that's my new experience with it. I have continued to accept that I don't care about the scale. I care about how I feel. And I've kept that as a measure of success for myself. When I go buy myself pants or dresses, I don't care what the number says. I don't look for what the number is. I literally try them on, whatever fits, fits. And I walk out of the dressing room. And I'm really proud of the way I've been able to maintain that for myself. But the one thing that I am navigating right now in my journey of body dysmorphia is that I am not going to look the way I looked when I was 21. So trying to strive for that look is not realistic and unhelpful. And that if I can get grounded in the what I call a meat suit, I call our bodies meat suits. <laughs> if I get grounded in the meat suit that I have today, I actually have a lot of gratitude for it. I think it's a beautiful meat suit. I'm grateful for every little bit of it. I'm grateful for the color of my skin. I'm grateful for the curves I do have. I'm grateful for the roles wherever they might be because one day like this meat suit, God willingly, will hold a child and it will, it's healthy. I don't have a terrible illness or disease that like, honestly, women my age I'm finding do have. I'm healthy. And I think that's something that's so underrated. I feel like that's, I wish we talked about that more is the the true blessing it is just to have a healthy body. Like, I don't care if my arms are bigger than what they were. I don't care if my legs have cellulite anymore because I am literally aging at the pace that I'm supposed to be aging at. And this body is carrying me through every single day. And like I said in the beginning of this podcast, every single day is different and not every day is amazing. So the fact that I have this amazing vessel that carries my soul through it, that's incredible. The fact that my heart beats and I don't have to think twice about it, it just happens for me so I can continue to breathe and be alive and live. That is the most underrated blessing of them all. So that's what I'm working through right now. Something I get a lot of questions about and I wanted to talk on the podcast today about is how I navigated body dysmorphia through my wedding. So everyone talks about their wedding being like the fittest time of their life where they lost a certain amount of weight or I've known girls who buy wedding dresses a size or two smaller than the actual current dress size they were. But one thing I'll say is that I went into my entire wedding experience not really giving a fuck for like lack of lack of a better word. I really made a decision for myself from the moment I got engaged moving forward that I was not going to be a psychopath about what I looked like. I was going to enjoy the process of getting married. I wanted to enjoy the day I put my wedding dress on, both buying it and the actual day of my wedding. I wanted to enjoy my bachelorette party 
and put a bathing suit on and just live my life. I wanted, I, I wanted my goal to be that I just wanted to feel the best I've ever felt, the happiest I've ever felt. And if that meant eating a bowl of pasta the night before my wedding at my rehearsal dinner, you know I was going to do it. I wasn't going to deny myself so I could look the thinnest I could the next day. And maybe some people might hear that and be like, nah, uh girlfriend. But like, for me, it was about being present and really about enjoying myself. And so the way I protected my view of myself in my wedding dress was feeling as embodied as possible. I got done up for every single one of those appointments I walked into. Every single time I put my wedding dress on, I took, I closed my eyes. I took a deep breath. I asked myself, like, is like, do I feel like everything I ever wanted to feel like on the day I was getting married? Oh my God, I'm going to cry. And I did. I really, really did. And so I'm so happy that I let myself just be present and I didn't care about what it looked like. I really, really strongly cared about what it felt like, what it felt like to wear that beautiful dress and how like little Alex, seven-year-old Alex, that's all she wanted that day. Whoo! Okay. So if you're getting married, if you're at a wedding, if you are getting ready for an event, if you're gearing up for something, stop caring about what you look like. You're beautiful. You have this beautiful vessel that's holding your soul. Don't care. Don't care. Be grateful that you have this beautiful body that is experiencing your life and just care about what it feels like to be in it. Care about being the strongest you've ever been. Go to the gym to be strong, not hot. You're hot just because you're heels, right? That's what we've decided is you're hot just as long as you are on the journey to healing yourself, to being the best version of yourself, to being your highest self. And so it doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter what someone else thinks you look like or what society says you need to look like at a certain age. It doesn't matter. What matters is how you feel. And if you feel good, if you feel strong, if you feel like that bad bitch, then you're doing it, girl. You are doing it. And you need to give yourself that credit because that takes fucking work. That takes so much work and that takes so much effort to just not care about what anyone has to think, to shed all of the bullshit that you were conditioned to believe that you were and to step into who you were always destined to be. That's admirable and that's the shit that lasts. Okay, enough with the crying. <laughs> so that's how I protected my view of myself on my wedding day. I will say that it was an interesting road to getting there. So growing up, I had no acne. Like I've always been blessed with like really beautiful skin. And my best friend will make fun of me because I always, she would have these like 10 step routines to like clear up her acne or keep her face clear. I'm not kidding. I don't think I washed my face for the first time until I was like 23 years old. Like I literally didn't ever wash my face. I like didn't ever need to, like I would just live my life and my skin would be perfect. I didn't really get acne until I was much more of an adult. And honestly, my acne hit me hard when I moved back from the, from the West Coast. When I moved to LA, my skin was great. When I moved back home, and I even noticed whenever I'd come home to visit, my skin was awful. And I've heard a million different reasons why it was so much worse here on the East Coast. I honestly think like there's a lot of different little factors. I think it was the different water. I think it was the different climate outside, the different changes in temperature. Also, what I was doing when I lived in LA, I was in a hot room teaching yoga all the time, especially at the end. 
when I moved back to New York, we got hit with the pandemic. And so I was in my home, not teaching yoga in a hot room, sweating out all the toxins all the time. But I will say that having body dysmorphia or looking at myself and not empowering myself through strength really did affect at times my business and the relationships in my life. If I felt like I was having a bad acne day or if I felt too fat or if I felt like I would videotape myself doing a yoga flow and I just looked like crap or I didn't look good, I would then restrain myself from not posting that video. And like that's a direct result of my business, especially at the time when I first started my business, it was all about teaching yoga and I would pre-record these flows, these sessions, and then I would put them on my website and people would pay for the membership to experience them. And so if I was taking an hour out of my day to record a entire yoga class and then not upload it, not only did I waste my time, my energy, but I'm also losing money because I'm not taking that yoga class and posting it just because of what I look like. Same thing. Once I started my online business, Showing up to your business every day is crucial. Showing up to your Instagram stories, showing up to creating reels, uh, going live, connecting with others, being on other people's podcasts, being on other people's lives. If I ever didn't do it because I didn't like the way I looked or I didn't like the angles or the lighting, that was me directly getting in the way of my bag. And eventually I had to, I started this mantra of like, who the fuck's going to get in the way of my bag today? Like, who's going to get in the way of my money today? Is it my acne? That's ridiculous. Like, how is my acne worth more than my money? Like that kind of kept me going for a while. But truly the days that I would allow my body dysmorphia to get the best of me, those are the days I didn't share. And every day I didn't share was one less day I was connecting with somebody. And if I'm not connecting with people, I'm not growing my business. So I've had to really put my body dysmorphia in a little, in a little bucket to the side, little, little box. I've had to put it in a box and put it away because if I actually entertain it, I can't move on with my life. I can't make money. I can't have a business. I can't connect with others. And it's just not a standard I was willing to accept. Now that was easy for me. I was able to tell myself, I was literally able to gaslight myself out of body dysmorphia because I care more about my livelihood than I do about the way I look at my body. That is where I'm at in my process, but that's not the same for everybody. And this is where I want to touch on relationships. There have been times where my husband has asked me like, hey, do you want to go to dinner? And I've looked at him and I love going to dinner. Like that's my favorite. I love going to dinner. I've looked at him and said no, because I felt like my acne was awful. And like I was embarrassed to look people in the eye. That's the worst feeling in the world. When you feel so self-conscious about your face that you can't even make eye contact with somebody. And I really want to give space here for the girlies who aren't in a relationship, who are actively dating and looking for their person or even just mingling. I can imagine how difficult it is when you are uncomfortable in your body and in your own skin to then go and make yourself vulnerable to connect with others. That has to be really, really, really hard. I often think about that. I've been really blessed. John and I have been together for almost nine years. He I am so comfortable being myself around him and I'm comfortable about speaking about these pieces of myself, but for the girlies who aren't in relationships yet or who are seeking to be or who are opening themselves up to these experiences, it must be really hard if you're navigating body dysmorphia or if you're navigating self-image worth issues to show up for yourself. And so 
The one thing I really want to make known and really point out here is that if you are hiding yourself from the world because you're giving more power to yourself, your low self-image than your experience, the only person that you're hurting is yourself. And I know that's pretty obvious, but I need to point that out here. You are delaying your own blessings, your own experiences. You are delaying your experience as a human being because you're allowing your low self-worth to actually dictate your experiences. Now, I want to take this down a different road than what you typically hear. When you lower your self-worth and then you start to operate from that low sense of worth, you start to then attract experiences that only are in vibration or in alignment with with, with that low self-worth. Like attracts like, right? It's, it's all magnetic. So if you're going to give yourself the impression that you don't deserve somebody because you're uncomfortable in your body, who would love somebody like you? Who would go on a date with somebody like you? All of that, right? If you want to actually say that to yourself, then that's the experience you are actually going to attract for yourself. Then you are going to continuously not be able to maintain relationships with people, or you're not going to be able to actually go on dates and try to find your person. What you are is truly what you attract. So if you're going to operate from a low vibrational place, recognize you're going to receive low vibra- low vibrational experiences. So if I'm going to shit on myself for my body, like if I'm going to be hard on myself and act like no one should see me, no one should look at me, I'm fat, I'm ugly, I'm all these bad things, then you're just going to attract experiences and people that validate that back for you. It's going to mirror back. But if you actually accept yourself, if you open yourself up to high vibrational experience, high vibrational thoughts, that's what you receive in return. It's the same thing like if you tell yourself you're going to be, and this is about relationships, if you tell yourself you're going to get ghosted every time or if you let yourself believe that the reason why someone didn't call you back or some relationship didn't work out was because of your inability to keep the relationship going or your looks or your self-image, then that is the exact experience you're going to continuously attract for yourself. You have to do the inner work to keep your self-worth, to keep your self-image in the vibration of empowerment and the truth. And the truth is you're beautiful and the vessel that you're in is beautiful and that you are worthy of love. You are worthy of connection. You are worthy of the experiences that you so deeply desire. And that has no attachment to what you look like. No attachment whatsoever. So recognize if you're not putting yourself out there, whether it's in your business, whether it's in your workplace, or whether it's in your relationships in your life, because you're so worried about what you look like and you're so insecure about yourself that you think that that's going to be the reason why things don't happen for you, you're the biggest person getting in your own way. You have to do the inner work to start accepting yourself, embracing who you are, and untying the thread between your worth and what you look like. Your worth is not attached to what you look like. What you look like is your embodiment. It's you stepping into the bad bitch you know you are. It's you wearing the clothing that makes you feel the hottest. It's putting on the makeup that makes you feel like you are literally the hottest thing down the block. I think that's why I love New York City. I know that was a really random thing just to say, but that's why I love New York City because I feel like every time I go into New York, I put on my hottest outfit. 
I pop in my headphones. I'm typically listening to Beyonce. And I walk down the streets like New York City. Like, I'm that bitch. Like, I, like I own that block. And there's just something about the energy for me that makes it feel that good. It makes it feel that embodied. And I want to invite that for you as well. Like find your version of that and only operate as that. That is where we start to build the foundations of really high vibrational self-worth. And our self-worth is not attached to what we look like, but we use things like what we look like to feel embodied in who we are because we love what we look like. I think the last thing to touch on here is... We're saying all this and it's easy to say it's so much harder to do. And a big reason why it's so much harder to do is because so much of our worth, we also compare to Instagram. We compare to what we see on TikTok. We compare to what we see online. I think one of the like hardest things I've, hardest rabbit holes I've had to pull myself out of is I watch the girlies buy different things different styles, different trends that I think would be amazing. And then I buy them for myself and I like immediately shit on myself because it doesn't look as good as on me as it did on them. Or we see people taking certain trips or living certain parts of their lives and feeling as though we're not doing enough or we don't look good enough or like we're not at the right place of life that we're not doing that exact thing. And I just want to remind you that like the perception, like what you're seeing and the reality of it are just completely two different things entirely for so many different reasons. The girly who's wearing the hot bomb outfit that you tried to copy and then you put it on yourself and then you like shit on yourself for, who knows how she even felt in that outfit. She might've put on that same exact outfit and been like, I don't feel good in this at all, but I'm going to post it anyway because I think it looks good, right? Think back to what I said earlier about 18 year old Alex, 118 pounds, looked amazing, felt disgusting, right? Like You have to remember that what you're seeing is not what's real. People love to post the highlights of their life. People love to post their favorite vacation pictures, their hottest thirst traps. And like, I've done it too. And I still stand by it. I think that's amazing. Yes, like share all the good things, but also don't act like they don't have their own experiences, their own thoughts, their own subconscious that they're also navigating as well. The human experience is full of suffering and they are not an exception to that rule just because they're posting what vacation they're on or what they're wearing or what they look like. We have no idea what's going on in their life or what their hardships are. So for you to compare yourself And to almost shame yourself for not looking, feeling, or doing what that other person's doing that you're seeing on the internet is impossible. You can't. You can't do it. You can't do it. I'm telling you right now, you can't do it. So I want to bring up this thought, and this is a controversial opinion, but I look at jealousy as a good thing. I think jealousy is good. I think jealousy shows you what you really actually deeply desire, but you might not be working towards actively, or you might actually still not be in alignment with. So I'll give you an example. I feel like all the girlies the last couple of years, including myself, but like we all go to Italy. We all like have these like very extravagant, luxurious vacations. Love that for all of us. And I've also heard or seen on the internet, the other side of it, where it's like, people are like, well, why can that person do that? Like, where's that person getting the money to do that? What's happening with that? 
that's not like that bad of a thing. It just shows you something that you really desire to do or to experience. And so you just have to look at your own behaviors. You have to look at your own experience and be like, okay, like what can I do now that I see this is something that I deeply want? So if you see a girl in a hot new outfit and you really want that outfit, but you can't get it because let's say you don't have the money for it right now. Okay, cool. Like let's look at your budget sheet. Let's change around what you have or what you're prioritizing. So maybe you have a little bit extra dough in the bank to buy that outfit. You don't feel comfortable in your own body. So you looked at somebody else who was super comfortable in theirs and you are jealous of them for being comfortable in theirs. Okay, great. Like, do you have a regimen or a routine in your life that you feel really good about, that you feel really embodied in? Do you need to change what you do every day to make you feel like you're more comfortable in your body. Jealousy just gives you an indicator of things in your behaviors or in your life that needs to change. Now, I want to make it clear, jealousy and envy are very different. Don't be envious of people. Do not be envious of people. We, that that's a, little, that's a little toxic. That's a little evil. We're talking about surface level jealousy. You see something, you want it. And so you're going to go get it. You're going to go change the way you act, move, see, believe, in order to be in receptivity of that thing. Key takeaways for today's podcast. You're beautiful. You're so beautiful. If nobody told you today, you're the hottest thing on the block. I don't care what you look like. I'm telling you, you are hot because you are on the journey to healing, not because of what you look like. You don't need to be perfect. Stop trying to be someone that you are physically, emotionally, and energetically not. You are the exact thing that this world needed, truly, because you wouldn't be here otherwise. That's why no one is like you. That's why no one looks like you. That's why no one acts like you. I always say desire doesn't come out of nowhere. It's divinely yours. So for you to want to be someone else is just you denying who you are meant to be. Speaking of denying, recognize that if you allow yourself to be so committed to your low vibrational self-worth that you're stopping yourself from experiencing life, you're just delaying and denying yourself of the life you truly deserve. Every single time that you deny yourself of something because of what you look like, you are literally just being a big roadblock to the life you deeply deserve and desire. Get out of your own way. Stop self-sabotaging. Your self-worth is not tied to your self-image. Put on the outfit. Trust that the acne is not as bad as you think. No one's looking at it. I promise. No one's looking at it. Put yourself together. Go on the date. Get yourself together. Go and look at your boss dead in the face and ask for that raise. Do whatever it takes for you to... Do the thing that you feel so scared to do because of what you look like. It's okay. I promise you're going to be okay. Be more interested in how you feel than how you look. Do you feel like the hottie that you are? Do you feel empowered? Do you feel strong? Do you feel like you could step into any room and all, all heads will roll? They will all turn to you. That's what you deserve to feel like. You are a showstopper. Live in it, baby boo. Don't be afraid of who you are in any capacity. Be in your bigness. Live your best life. Start working to heal the piece of yourself that needs to pick and poke at all the flaws. You're beautiful. Okay, time to move into our Healed Hotties hot takes. I have three hot takes for this week. Here we go. 
I'm going to put this one on a t-shirt. Like, I'm genuinely going to put this on a t-shirt. And I swear to God, if I see that one of you do it first, I will come for you. I will come for you. I will find you. But bad bitches do breath work. They really do. Listen, I was against breath work for a really long time for no other reason than it just made me feel really self-conscious. Like I felt like I had to like keep an eye open and like look around or I like would get lightheaded and I didn't understand. But like breath work makes such a difference. And honestly, it doesn't take very much like just typical box breathing of like four, four, four. So like, for example, in for four hold for four, release for four. It really does make a difference. One of the other things that I've been doing, it's not necessarily considered breath work, but it is using the breath to manipulate the nervous system is I take deep breaths until I can clear my thoughts entirely. So for example, I take six deep breaths and I want not one thought other than counting breath. So like if I take a deep breath in and I think about my like grocery list, start back at one. If I'm on breath number three, and then I start to think about the long to-do list I have for work, I start back at one. I want six clear, deep breaths where my mind is blank. And all I'm worried about is listening to the sound of breathing in air and listening to the sound of releasing air, the shit I don't need, the dioxide, right? Bad bitches do breath work. Highly recommend 10 out of 10. Challenge for you this week, wake up one morning, pop on YouTube, do breath work. Speaking of YouTube, number two, YouTube tarot is so underrated. So I didn't grow up as like a YouTube girly. Like I know that like some girls grew up watching vlogs on YouTube or just watching YouTube in general. I just really wasn't a YouTube kid. I was not, I guess I didn't have time with how much I had going on with dance and like my life, but like I just wasn't somebody who stayed on YouTube and like watched vloggers or I don't even know experienced a lot of YouTube all the time but one thing that I've recently gotten into and that I've always been into is like YouTube meditations and now tarot I my best friend Rena always talks about how she watches tarot on YouTube and like I thought it was great like I never really thought twice about it I came across a spread the other day that I just felt called to like watching and it was amazing I literally sat on my couch I watched tarot and like picked my card did my whole thing went to bed feeling so much better. Highly recommend. Go and find, if you have any questions, like totally DM me and I'll give you my recommendations of some of the tarot readers that I've been watching on YouTube. But honestly, I love it. Even like I do a new moon and full moon ritual um, from this one creator. His name is Chris Corsini. And I've always done that religiously every month, but I never even thought to take that a step deeper. There's just so much access on YouTube that I guess I didn't really think about. And so highly recommend go find a spread, go ask a question, go figure it out, pick your pile and yeah, notice how good it feels. Highly recommend. Okay. And for our last healed hottie hot take, how willing are you to believe that miracles exist? Deep, dark question. How willing are you to believe that miracles exist? It sounds so easy to be in a fantasy land about it. Like, ah, oh, miracles, woohoo. But like, I'm being so serious. How willing are you to believe that your life could change tomorrow for the better? How willing are you to believe that everything that you're doing right now is gonna be the thing that snap of fingers changes your life? How willing are you to believe that you're going to wake up tomorrow to an email in your inbox that somebody just booked something with you and you just made more money or you just got the promotion at work? How willing are you to believe that you're going to meet your 
future husband, wife, partner on Tinder tonight. These are miracles. And I think that's something that I even, and I'm saying this to you all because this is something that I'm personally sitting with right now. I forgot that miracles exist. I started to look at my life and I forgot that life is a miracle. I forgot that the fact that I woke up this morning was a miracle. I forgot that the fact that I survived so much of my life to this point that I I've missed all the things that could have caused me danger or harm, that I've only been able to live the life that I've lived is a miracle, right? Like we can go into a lot of the different nuances and I think we'd be here for another hour, but your life, there's so many little miracles every day. And so I want you to really ask yourself that question in the shower today, when you're making yourself dinner, when you're driving to work, wherever you are listening to this podcast, how willing are you to believe that miracles exist, that your life is a miracle, that you are here with purpose, and that your life can change for the better tomorrow, not just the bad. We're so, we're always waiting for the the other shoe to drop. We're always looking at the goodness of our life and being like, "Uh uh-oh, don't enjoy too much. Who knows when this can all go away? But the truth is, is that it, it doesn't all go away. The other shoe never drops. Miracles exist. Ask and you shall receive. You're doing the work because you're listening to a podcast like this. You must understand the expansiveness of what happens when you commit to your highest self. So trust. Miracles do exist. What miracle do you want? Call it out into the universe. Pray to the God you pray to. Put it out into the ether. Call your best friend after this podcast and be like, girl, This week, X, Y, and Z is going to happen. I'm calling it now. I'm claiming it now. But how willing are you to believe it? How willing are you to believe that that miracle exists? Woo! Okay. This was wildly healing. We laughed. We cried. We screamed. It was great. Thank you all so much for being here today. Truly, this podcast already has been one of the most healing experiences for me. And I am so very excited to continue this work and to continue sharing with you all. I do want to say if you are looking to get even deeper into this work, I love hearing from you all. Please shoot me a DM. Please email me. Please message me. I love hearing from you all. I love being able to connect, especially over a lot of these topics. It just builds our community so much more. The Spiritual Baddies Club community, we're hotties. We get it. We know our worth and we're willing to stand in it. So the more you talk to me about it, the more I can connect you all. If you're looking to step into the baddest bitch that you know you can be, also reach out to me. I have one-on-one spaces available for coaching as well as human design readings, which right now are super highly discounted because I just feel like healing should be accessible to all and we should all be able to step into our highest, hottest selves. And I want to, like I said at the beginning of this podcast, I'm really, really into sharing that right now and being available to that. So Reach out if you're interested. I love you and I will see you next week, hotties. Thank you all so much for listening today. I hope that you loved this episode just as much as I did. The most supportive way for podcast creators like myself to grow is by leaving a review and rating. And if you're feeling extra frisky, don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Send us a screenshot at Spiritual Baddies Club on Instagram and unlock a special gift from us to you for a limited time. This has been so fun. Now it's time to go live your best baddie girl life. I love you, hottie. See you next week.